snatch the pebble from my hand. When you take the pebble from my hand, it will be time for you to leave. Coming to you from the Philadelphia area. This is the Westchester Church Podcast. Remember always that a wise man walks with his head bowed, humble like the dust. A few messages we've been in Luke 9.23, where Jesus says, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny themselves. Lift up the cross of self-denial daily, and then at last what comes after that, as we will see this morning in Luke 9.23, is once you have learned to deny yourself, and once you have lifted up the cross of self-denial on a daily basis, then Jesus says you can follow after me. And I mean, in Scripture, we, we see all kinds of people following all kinds of things, just as we do in the world of today. At one place, the Apostle Paul warns um, a Timothy that, that there are some who, who once had been in the church, but now they have wandered away from the truth and from Christ. And now they are followers, once again, of Satan. And, and we see the severity of that. Or we come to the book of Jude, and what it says there is that it speaks about many others who, who were following after their own lust and desires. And that speaks about many in the world still, even now to this day. And yet we are among those who at least seeks and who endeavors to live a lifestyle that is following after that of Christ Jesus. What Jesus is saying to us in our text this morning is that there, there is one leader leading the way to, to real peace and to everlasting joy. And you will not get there all alone by your own strength and power and wisdom. It does not come from the world or, or, it, or of the things which are here below, but, but the only place where you can find this kind of peace, this kind of life and joy and happiness, is by following after me, Jesus says. And so what we're going to see in our text this morning, also in Luke chapter 9, is we're going to see discipleship put to the test. We're going to see three hopeful apprentices of Jesus stand before him, either volunteering to be his follower or, or being asked to be his follower. And we're going to see all, all kinds of responses that are going to unfold. And so we come to the very end, still in Luke chapter 9, and we come to verse um, 57. Luke 9, and there in verse 57, here's what we read. It says that as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but, but as for you, he says, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at, at my home. And so Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And as we hear Jesus use that word follow, as he says, follow me, I think it really requires understanding on our part because especially in my generation, what, what our understanding in 2020 is of that word follow means on social media. If you, you ever come across anybody whose content you especially enjoy or, or find interesting, all you have to do is just hit one button and now you are a follower of that person. And the moment that this person no longer has content that, that you find interesting on any level, all you have to do is just, just hit a button and now you, you are no longer a follower of that person on Twitter or on Instagram. I mean, it takes one second to do to either follow or to not follow somebody. But what we need to really capture in this first century setting and in this first century world in terms of, of an apprentice following a teacher is that when Jesus says, follow me, this is what he's looking for. What he's saying, in other words, is follow me anywhere and everywhere. Follow me above anyone and anything. And follow me right now and without any delay. And that was true 2,000 years ago, but it's still true even in a Twitter world such as this. Jesus is saying this to, to us every single day in the text. And I just want to look at each one of these individually this morning. And so I want to begin with, follow me anywhere and everywhere. What this first man says is a very beautiful thing. Where he takes one look at Jesus and he says, Jesus, I am going to be your follower no matter where you go. He says, I will follow you wherever you go. And I mean, that is exactly what Jesus is looking for here. But what is especially noteworthy about this man, as we also discover Matthew's account, is that this man was actually a scribe. See, it's so interesting because the scribes were his worst enemies on the earth. Scribes were the ones who were absolutely obsessed with, with incriminating Jesus and having him killed. But, but as we also see in the lives of the Sadducees and Pharisees, not all of these, these guys had an axe to, to grind with regards to, to Christ Jesus. See, I love this man because he is willing to be one who would stand apart from his colleagues. And that takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? That I don't care what my colleagues think about you. I don't care how much they, they are, are despising you. I have seen miracles that you have accomplished. I have heard teachings that you have given. And, and I want to be an actual follower of yours, Jesus. I mean, this is a very brave man that we're speaking about here. Who says, I will follow you wherever you happen to go. And it reminds me a lot of an old hymn that that I've sung my, my whole entire life of footsteps of Jesus. And in the chorus line, it says, footsteps of Jesus that, that make the pathway glow. And then it says, we will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. And you know, I, I have experienced countless times in my life how the footsteps of Jesus go to some lovely, beautiful places, don't they? 
If we follow Jesus, we know that those footsteps will lead, as I said a moment ago, to, to life and to real joy in this world. Following his footsteps have taken me all over the world and have brought, I mean, countless Christians into my life who, who I have learned so much from. The footsteps of Jesus have brought us here to this place where we, where we love to be so much with one another and we need this so much. We know that ultimately following after those footsteps of Jesus lead to our promised land. So one day our faith will be made sight and we will visibly inhabit and we will enter the kingdom of heaven and we will be there forevermore. Yes, the footsteps of Jesus go to some wonderful places. And yet the opposite of that is just as true, isn't it? How the footsteps of Jesus also go to some very, very scary, uncomfortable places as well. In fact, to be a follower of Jesus means that I'm going to take my comfort zone. And I'm going to light it on fire right now. Because that's, that's what being a follower of Jesus results in. Now as a scribe, I imagine that this man had been accustomed to a very comfortable lifestyle. And a lot of people looked at Jesus and said, it's just a matter of time before his kingdom is established. Now, it hasn't happened exactly yet, but, but very soon King Jesus is going to reign over Israel. A lot of people thought this. And when that happens, I'm going to be made very rich by this. I'm going to live a very lavish, luxurious lifestyle. And so I imagine that, that it's not outside of the realm of possibility that the scribe is looking at Jesus and he's saying, okay, which hotel are we going to be staying in, Jesus? Is it going to be a five-star hotel? Now, what Jesus says in, in response to this, though, is that he says that if you follow after me, we're, we're not going to have anywhere to lay our heads. Animals have superior living arrangements to me and to my followers. What he's saying in so many other words is, if you want to be a follower of mine, leave all need for, for a materialistic comfort far, far behind. I've discovered that the footsteps of Jesus go to some very lonely places as well. As we see, especially in the lives of these apostles, Jesus himself, as well as the early church, to be a follower of Jesus made you a social outcast in your society. Even members in your own family would, would then look at you as a pariah, as, as someone who has completely gone off the deep end because you are now a follower of Christ. We remember how even Jesus himself on occasion had relatives who would say, say in a very public setting that, that he is out of his mind and that Jesus is crazy. And, and yet I mentioned a moment ago how the footsteps of Jesus go to some very scary places. It will take us to scary places like a lot of people who have done us wrong, people who are enemies to us perhaps. People who do not look like us necessarily. Or, or those other kinds of people who our society, especially in the religious world, looks, looks um, down upon. and demonizes them and gets, gets as far away from these people as they can. And yet to follow Jesus, we find ourselves moving closer to these people in the world. 
And that can be a very uncomfortable thing, especially at first. I find it very interesting in our text, if you look, look there in Luke chapter 9 and what is going on in, in verses 51 and 52, this, this is the moment where Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem knowing that, that, that he will soon be crucified. But notice in, there I'm in verse 52 where, where he sends certain followers of his into a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. Now, I can guarantee you that these guys are looking at each other thinking, why in the world is Jesus sending us into Samaritan territory? We know that Jews and Samaritans just did not get along, despised each other. Why are we going into enemy territory? And the answer is, oftentimes, following Jesus' footsteps will result in this kind of discomfort so often. In fact, I really like, like a quote I came across of a theologian, Neil Cole, and what he says is, if you want to win this world to Christ, then you're going to have to learn to sit in the smoking section of this world and of, of society. Because that is where lost, hurting people are to be found. And as a minister, I am discovering just how true this is on a daily basis, that it was all of these certain settings in the world that I once had, had tried so hard to completely avoid that, that are, are the very places I have grown now to actually clamor to and to rush into. Places where, where you will hear pervasive profanity, perhaps. Places where you will be the only person who looks the way that you do and, and everybody else simply does not look like you do. It's so uncomfortable at first, but, but it is such an acquired taste that the more that, that you, you find yourself in this environment, it now becomes where you want to be more than any place else. And yet I find it interesting also in Luke's Gospel, if we come into chapter 21 of Luke, Jesus is speaking to, to his disciples here as well. And I want us to all take note about what, what he's promising them here. Luke chapter 21, Jesus makes, makes many promises of troubles of all kinds. Luke chapter 21, and, and starting in verse 12, he says, But before all of this, they will lay their hands on you. They will persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. And yet then notice verse 16 where, where Jesus also promises that you will also be delivered even by your own parents, by your own brothers and relatives and your, your closest friends. And yet then notice especially the latter part of verse 16 where he says and he guarantees some of you they will put to death. Jesus says they will put you to death. Verse 17, he, he says that you will be hated by all and by everybody for my name's sake. And you know, I think it's so unfair how we, we look at, at the apostles sometimes in the modern church. How the apostle Thomas has been given a nickname forevermore as Doubting Thomas, as if he's the only person who has ever doubted Jesus before. I think it's so unfair, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, looking at Simon Peter and, and just shaking our head, thinking, you know, Peter, how could you deny Jesus three times? 
when there's all kinds of ways you and I have, have likewise have denied Jesus before in our own ways. And yet what amazes me, though, about Luke 21, though, is that Jesus makes all of these promises that, that you're going to be so uncomfortable. You're going to be falsely accused. You're going to be, be hated by your own father and mother and brother. You're, you're even going to, to lose your very life on account of me. But, but we don't see anybody who's denying Jesus here, do we? We don't see anybody abandoning Jesus or, or running as far away from him as they could. But rather what their attitude seems to be is, Jesus, you can sign me up for all of this right now. Bring it on, it seems like. And, and I mean, that is what a true disciple looks like. You see, what this shows us is that Luke 9.23 really is, is a two-sided thing. That yes, we must all be willing to die to our own sinful lust and desires. But we also must have a willingness and an eagerness to even die for Jesus if that situation were ever to be um, a necessity for us. Well, for the lives of these apostles, though, Jesus' assurance of them had proven to be true. James and Paul, we know, had been beheaded for, for being followers of Jesus. Andrew and Peter had been crucified, one of them upside down on a cross. We know that the Apostle Thomas had been killed and thrust through with, with a spear. Matthew had been violently stabbed to death for being a follower of Jesus. And I mean, we can just go down a list of those, those original followers of Jesus. Bartholomew, Simon the Zealot, Thaddeus, and we can see just, just one after another, one violent, bloody death after the other. In fact, John is the only one out of all of the original followers who lived to an old age and who died of natural causes. But all the rest of these guys, violent, bloody deaths. And now, all of a sudden, a line from, from that old hymn, it takes on a very haunting quality. We will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. And for just about all of those guys following the footsteps of Jesus, what that looked like for, for them was following the footsteps of Jesus all the way to the cemetery. Here's how the Apostle Paul describes what, what being a follower of Jesus looked like in his life. Where he says that I have undergone many imprisonments, countless beatings, and often near death. He says five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys and in danger from, from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own countrymen and from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from, from false brothers. I've been in toil and in hardship through, through many a sleepless nights. I have known hunger and thirst, often going without food, in cold and in exposure. And, and as we hear a description 
as we have just heard from the Apostle Paul, I mean, what part of that is convenience? What element of that is a comfortable lifestyle that, that we know so much in the world of today? See, what, what really is on, on my mind after re- hearing a list like that given by the Apostle Paul? is that if following Jesus no longer meant constitutional religious freedoms, if being an apprentice of Jesus no longer guaranteed a comfortable pew or, or wearing our Sunday morning best, but, but instead following Jesus put our lives and our freedoms in jeopardy, how eager would we be to accept the invitation daily of Jesus to be his follower in this world? You see, we will never know if this scribe actually followed after Jesus or not. We can only hope that that he did, but what Jesus says in response to him is also what what he says to you and to me, that, that, that if you want to be a follower of mine, then you truly must follow me anywhere and everywhere that I go. See, that's because Jesus was a wanderer in his own world. He had no no house, no roof, no bed, and no pillow. No material comfort whatsoever. But to anyone who will ever dare to actually follow him everywhere and anywhere that he goes, they will find the greatest peace and comfort that this world can, can ever know. And then some. And yet Jesus also says to us this morning, in our text, that that we must also follow him above anyone and anything. Well, on this occasion, as we read about another man, Jesus actually approaches him in this instance. And he says, follow me, follow after me. And as we saw in the text, what what his response is, Lord, I would love to to be your follower, but, but here's the thing. I have a father who needs to be Um, buried soon. And I mean, at first glance, this is a very understandable request that that he's making in terms of his father. Because, I mean, it it was commandment number five of the Ten Commandments. What does it say? Honor father and mother. We also read elsewhere in Scripture that whoever is not going to provide for his own family, that, that he's worse than an unbeliever. And that would include a proper burial for a father. And so it seems very harmless at first, but, and yet I want us to listen very carefully, though, to what he actually says. And I want us especially to catch the contradictions here, where it says in the latter part of verse 59, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my, my father. And so we have a couple of contradictions here, and the first one is, is found in the word Lord. Lord, I will follow you. And and I mean, what this word Lord means is that this is the one who I will obey without question. And yet the second contradiction is found in the word first. Lord, I will follow you, but first, there's something more important than being a follower of yours that I need to attend to. And so before he even says another word, he has already made the Lord second in his life. By saying, Lord, first, I need to do this. 
what Jesus is saying here, I believe, is that there, there is something even more important than the, the duty and responsibility of giving a proper burial to a father. And that is being a follower of mine to the point of bringing my kingdom down here and unleashing it upon the earth. It would appear that this was not a passion in this man's life in this particular moment. And so what Jesus says, and it looks, looks very harsh at first, doesn't it? Where Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. I mean, it seems very insensitive. But what he's really saying here is, let those who do not hope or glory in God the Father be the ones who will bury those who have lost their life. But if we look very closely at this, there is a lot more at play than just merely burying his father, though. Most likely, it would appear that, that he's waiting until after his father has died, and he's not sure exactly when it's going to happen. And so, in other words, what he's communicating to Jesus is, if my father lives another day, then I will follow you at that point tomorrow. If he dies in three weeks, then, then I will follow you three weeks from now. If he dies in two years, then, then, you know, Jesus, I will follow you two years from now. But if we look even closer, though, if this man had been an oldest son in his family, when you would lose a father, what this also meant is that you, you had a very large inheritance coming your way. And if this is true, then not only is he putting the Lord second, but, but quite possibly third or fourth in command in his life in this moment. And of course, we don't know what this man's heart was, but, but we do know our hearts, don't we? We do know where our, our priorities and desires lie. And every day in Luke 9.23, Jesus says just as much to us, follow me. And what we need to understand is that there, there is something in this world that is far more important than, than who's going to win a Super Bowl next season. There's something so much more important than, than which political party is going to win our very next presidential election. And that is following Jesus above anything. I mean, as Jesus says to us in the text every day, follow after me. How quick are we to respond and to accept that, that invitation? Or is it a very slow, reluctant response? I mean, is it, is it something that, that we, would, we, we would much rather ignore on most of the days of the week? I think a lot of times our response might just be, Lord, permit me first to not be a follower of yours right now today. Lastly, what we see is that we must follow Jesus right now and without any delay. And what we find in this last individual is he, he approaches Jesus. And he says, Lord, I will follow you. But just like the guy who came before him, this guy has a butt coming. In fact, he's got a big butt and he says, Lord, permit me first to go and say, say goodbye to all of those who are at home. And again, it looks like a very harmless thing. It's something that, that, that all of us, I imagine, would at least want to do. But as it, as it pertains to the buts of discipleship, though, 
It's very clear to us in the text that, that, I mean, Jesus hates big butts, and he cannot lie, can he? I mean, he says, I will follow you, but... And as soon as he says, but first, I mean, he also has just contradicted everything that he has said. And I think these are the famous last words of of so many hopeful apprentices of Jesus. Where it's like, Lord, I will be a follower of yours, but first, I want to enjoy college. I want to enjoy as much of this world as I possibly can. And, And then once I've graduated from college, then... I will be a follower of yours. Other people say, Lord, I will be a follower of yours, but, but right now my life is just too, too hectic. But at the very end of my life, once, once I retire, then I will get around to being a follower of yours. Other people might say, Lord, I will be a follower of yours, but, but, but first, I, I want to live for myself. And now what this man says is, Lord, I, I will be a follower of yours, but, but, but um, first what is more important is I want to go and, and say goodbye to those who are at home. And you know, there is a lot more to, to his request as well if we really look closely. Because I mean, how long would it take to actually do this? Where you walk through the door and you look at everybody in your family and you say, bye, and you... And you leave, right? I mean, that, that's going to take three seconds. But here is really what, what our problem is in doing this. Because in this first century world, this is exactly what would have happened. That his family members are looking at him and saying, let me see if I have this straight. You are going to leave our family business you're going to walk out on your wife and kids for, for like two or three years so that you can go do what? You're going to follow around a 30-year-old homeless carpenter who believes that he is the son of God, who the scribes have warned us about, who, who refer to him as a deceiver, who, who, who a lot of our, our own elders and Pharisees have, have um, said that if we have anything to do with him, that, that we're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. I mean, they would have said, no, you're not going to follow after Jesus. Just, just stay right here and let others worry about following after Jesus. I mean, this, this is what happens when we look back and when we have a delay. And in fact, how Jesus reacts to this is, is he has, has a physical example of, of a farmer who is working a plow. And Jesus says, whoever puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And, but it would be like driving a car, but looking over your, your um, shoulder backwards the, the whole entire time that you drove. See, as Jesus says this, this is not just one quick glance over a shoulder, but, but rather what this is. This is an intense craving for our old lives. This is obsessively looking back at what had been destroying us all of those years and and thinking, I I want that again so bad. This is Lot's wife, after she has been warned, do not look back. Nevertheless, as as Sodom and Gomorrah is is going down in flames, still she, she looks back. 
And she longs for what once was in that city. And as Jesus calls to us every day in the text, follow me, what he's saying is that I've got life right here in front of you, but, but if you want life forevermore, you have to just simply follow after me and trust that, that I know the way to the promised land. We've seen three examples of how it is not done if we want to be a follower of Jesus, but, but I want to, to end on this note this morning. I want us all to, to notice in the text how, how it is done. Well, we come to Matthew chapter 4, and Jesus starts calling his disciples. And I mean, he is literally walking onto their, their um, job sites. And he says those um, exact same two words, follow me. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18 says that, that he approaches I'm a couple of brothers, Simon and Andrew. And they are casting nets into the sea because they've been fishermen. And so Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Notice in verse 20 how it says that, that immediately they left their nets and they started following after Jesus. Well, from there, um, in verse 21, he calls a couple of other brothers who are also fishermen, James and John. Only James and John have been fishing with, with the father of theirs. Notice in verse 22, though, where, where it says that immediately they left the boats and their father noticed. And they followed after Jesus at that exact moment in time. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9, it says how, how Jesus goes into a tax collector's office and, and he calls one of them as his follower. Jesus sees a man whose name was Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth and he said to him, follow me. And notice, it says that he rose up. And even though he's got this lucrative job and, and, and he's a very rich man, he leaves all of that behind so that he can instantly follow after the footsteps of Jesus. And the reason why I marvel at the 12 disciples is, is that they, they left jobs and financial security, even father and mother and sister and brother and wife and children. And I mean, they don't even say a word. They just silently stand up and they follow Jesus without looking back. And there's so much in that, that that we can learn from and that we can emulate on a daily basis following Jesus anywhere and everywhere that he goes without delay. So what I want to invite you as well as I myself too in the days um, ahead is to make Luke 9.23 the very first words that we, we mentally process as we wake up. And that we make Luke 9.23 the very last words that we think about right before we, we end the day and we go to sleep where every day Jesus would um, um, call to us and invite us, follow me. That if anyone wishes to come after me, let them deny themselves, take up the cross of self-denial daily, and follow after me. And there's been a lot of speculation in the church about just what exactly the Christian vote is. There's a lot of people I, I know who would say that, well, the Republican Party is the Christian vote. And yet, no, that's not what the Christian vote is. 
Other people might say, well, it, it is um, um, the Democratic Party is the Christian vote. But, but no, that's not the Christian vote either. But really, what, what the only Christian vote on the face of this earth is, is Luke 9.23. Where Luke 9.23 is a ballot that we cast every single day where we choose that I could follow my own desires, but instead I would much rather follow after Jesus Christ. That's what the Christian vote is. And yet again this morning, Jesus invites us, follow after me. And yet we must also ask ourselves a very candid question. Do I have any buts, just as others had? Are we saying, are we silently thinking this morning, Lord, I, I would love to be a follower of yours this afternoon. But I'm very comfortable with this world and the things of this world. Lord, I would love to be a follower of yours to the point of loving everybody who I lay eyes on as a neighbor of mine. But I just don't like certain types of people in this world. Lord, I don't want to do that just yet. Lord, I would love to be a follower of yours, but I'm just too at home on this earth that, that I would much rather have America than I would heaven. Do we have a but this morning, or are we just like those, those original followers and apprentices who instantly left everything behind so that they could follow after Jesus? May we be like those original followers who took one look at Jesus in the morning and who said, I will follow him wherever he happens to go that I will follow him above anything and anyone, and I will follow him right now and without delay.